This is this is this is the Bottom Bends podcast. Oh yeah! Hello and welcome back to the Bottom Bends podcast, the very last Premier League episode to cover for the 2022-2023 season. Um, all in all, lads, pretty good season, hasn't it been? Yeah, it's been it's been up and down like, hasn't it? There's been a lot of shock results, a lot of predictions that we made at the start of this podcast <laughs> that did not come to fruition. And do you know what? Some that did as well. So yeah, it's been an up and down season for not just the, the podcast but the Premier League as well. Yeah. yeah, definitely like at the top with the title race and then at the bottom the relegation went to the last day and then the top four race was good for a while too. Yeah, it's been a good season. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's definitely a season um, to be remembered in the Premier League and one that I'm sure on this podcast we will take and try and learn from <laughs> before we make absolute predictions ever again. <laughs> um, but anyway, lads, look, I don't think there's much point in talking about, uh, you know, the, like, say, the teams that, that ended up at the top of the table, you know, the, the Man City and the Arsenal. I think we've covered that to death, to be honest. So I think really the, the race for Europe is where we're going to start. So, look, lads, Man United coming in third, um, Newcastle coming in fourth. Um, that, that that top four race between those two sides, and even Liverpool then in at fifth, you know, that, that sort of come down to the wire as well. Um, you know, United only got their guaranteed Champions League qualification after the game against Chelsea. So, Oren, I'll, I'll come to you first then. Looking at that top four then, would you say that's a fair reflection on, on how the season has went? Yeah, I would, especially after the, the first two games of the season for United. Um, even with Arsenal kind of capitulating towards the end there. Um, I did actually feel... ...really good reflection of the season. Um, we've had some... Especially now, when we had so many in, so Fletcher Martin and uh, Ganacho and you know Sabitzer and Ericsson was out for a long while, and then even Casemiro's um, suspensions. Like we had a tough this season, to tell you the truth, despite heavy investment in the last summer. Um, so expectations were high, especially in Ericsson Hag's first season, but he's delivered. Um, I don't think anybody really expected Newcastle, and we'll talk about Newcastle a wee bit um, later on, but. Uh, third. I think it was all the BBC pundits. I think only one of them uh, predicted United being the top four. So everybody's writing us off at the start of the season. Don't get me wrong. As a United fan, yes. But we should be competing for the league. It's where United deserve to be. So I'm not going to say I'm happy with finishing third because it's not where United deserve to be. So hopefully we can just build upon in the next season. When the title was obviously the unrealistic possibility this year, especially at being Ten Hag's first season. But two. And build upon our squad. And they. Ten Hag has brought. Could be in for a really, really good. Okay. 
Yeah, and I, th- I think really Ten Hag has um, stamped down his authority. Um, you know, we've seen that with through a number of incidents throughout the season. You know, the, the Ronaldo incident, then Rashford being punished for being late. You know, you could really say that this is a manager who came in and really wanted to take charge from the get-go. Connor, look, obviously, uh, just touching on what Oren said there, you know, how good of a job Ten Hag did, obviously, you know, getting United to third. But I do agree with Oren, you know, United need to be competing for titles um, year in, year out. Obviously, in the first year of a new manager, that's that's going to be quite difficult to do. But look, Connor, where, where do United go from here? You know, they're obviously going to strengthen in the summer transfer window. So do you think next season he'll realistically be looking at it and going, look, we, we, we need to be challenging? Yeah, I think it'll... Definitely depend on the ownership situation, uh, how much he's going to be backed, because I think he's proven that in his first season, he's came third in a season where realistically that is was a magnificent achievement uh, and he deserves to be back now. And I think he will be uh, obviously striker, need a proven striker in there, probably need another centre back. We've seen with injuries to Varane and uh, obviously Martinez has got hurt now um, and then an improvement in midfield. I think we need somebody in there defensively just brings a bit more energy to the team. I think Erickson, you know, he did get injured. He was playing okay before that, but defensively he was getting found out a bit, especially in the big game. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind improving in that position. Uh, probably we're looking at a right back. We're getting uh, linked to like players like Fringpong and players like that. So that could be another likely uh, player. But I think as Oren said, it was, it is like United should be challenging for league titles. I do agree with that. But this season, as you guys were saying, that wasn't realistic. We came, like last season, we were a disgrace. Uh, lost so many games in a row. Came, we're very lucky to come sixth. Third was a really, really good season uh, this year. Um, I did I did say, even when we were going well, I thought the title was unrealistic. We're never going to, we don't have the squad for it. But hopefully next season we can improve. And Ten Hag, I seen, was only the second manager um, in United's history to win a trophy in his first season as well. So you got to commend him for that. So, He's brought a bit of positivity back to the club, and especially after the first few games, I think he tried to play that, you know, really good football in the first few games, and he realised I haven't got the squad for this. I think Casemiro was a big help. He came into the the team, and it just it's a weird season because you forget that Ronaldo was even at the club. The phase he got was so long ago. He was there. He was a disaster really this year, and to go from that to third place was. I know a few teams did have bad seasons like Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, but wasn't Ten Hag's fault and to get 75 points in your first season is a is a really really good achievement yeah agreed lad agreed and I, I, I do agree with you I think it's going to be really interesting to see where United go in this summer and, and, and who they look to sign in the summer transfer window so moving on then to fourth place to Newcastle look obviously Oren a real fairy tale story um, for the Geordies um, managing to to get Champions League for the first time since 02-03 well I know it was only a qualification game they played in that year but look it's a massive achievement Eddie Howe really in his first full season at the helm at Newcastle got to the cup final against Manchester United obviously as well so all in all you would have to look at that and say incredibly successful season for Newcastle yeah fantastic like we've we've waxed lyrical about Newcastle all season um, and rightly so Eddie Howe I always thought he was a brilliant manager and I knew he was going to be snapped up as soon as he was sacked by Bournemouth I still don't understand that decision I did think at a stage that he was going to go to Celtic um, but I think he'll be very, very happy that he ended up at Newcastle. Um, yeah, obviously everybody can say about the investment and stuff and 
a lot of money being pumped into the club. But like we've said it all season, this isn't a team that has necessarily spent mega, mega, mega money. It's not like they've went out and bought 11 new players um, for every single position. They've went and spent wisely. Yes, they've spent some heavy transfer fees with the likes of Isaac. Um, but they've worked out. You pay for quality. And um, they haven't went out. And As soon as the investment came out, they were talking about Mbappe, Neymar, Messi, anybody that of note was joining Newcastle, apparently. But they didn't do that. And they went out. They've got players that Eddie Howe wanted to work for him that knew wanted to play for the badge. Because Newcastle's a huge, huge club with a lot of history. And uh, yeah, they are where they deserve to be. But from being on the brink of relegation last season to end the Champions League next season, it's absolutely phenomenal. And credit to all them players, all the staff and Eddie Howe himself. Agreed, lad. Agreed. Don't think I could have put it better myself. Connor, look, I've seen a lot of pundits on Twitter um, and just even pundits talking about it on TV. Look, obviously, Liverpool are going to get stronger in the summer. Chelsea are inevitably going to get stronger in the summer as well. You'd like to think that if Spurs get a decent manager in, you know, they're going to be back up competing for top four again as well. So I think the question that's on everybody's lips at the minute is, can Newcastle now consistently become a Champions League football club? Yeah, that, that's a good question because obviously they're going to have more games in Europe and things like that. But uh, the recruitment last summer especially was really, really good. So if they just invest really wisely this summer, I could easily see them being a you know, a top four team and then eventually challenging for the league. Like the Bob Pope, Isaac and Batman. And I know they got Gordon in, in January, but them three players have been brilliant all season. Uh and the recruitment has been brilliant, even like in prior years. And under Eddie Howe, they're just going to improve further. It's just going to be uh, where they're going to improve. And I think in midfield is definitely a spot where they're going to improve. I think they're going to get a new left back in. And uh, with that improvement, like we were saying, it was just goals. If they could keep them strikers fit as well, Isaac and Wilson, there's no doubt that they will challenge for top four again next year. As Eddie Howe's talking as well, I think a trophy is another realistic target for him. I think they were unlucky they got to the League Cup final they played actually okay they lost to United on the day but uh, for Newcastle I, I do think you know they're, they're a step ahead of a few of these teams like you know Spurs I think are away to be fair but there's a few of them odd teams like Liverpool and things like that that you know they will improve but they're still behind Newcastle and I think Newcastle make a few signings and they will be a mainstay in the top four yeah, look, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. You know, they are a, a massive football club. They they do have the, the financial backing to compete with the, the biggest sides in the Premier League. So it is definitely going to be interesting to see what they do in the summer and how they move forward from, from such an incredible season, really. Well, moving it on then, lads, from the Champions League places and, and moving to the other European spots, Europa League and Conference League. So we have uh, Liverpool coming in at fifth, Brighton coming in at sixth. Um, Look, lads, really, I think it will, will, will start with Liverpool. Obviously, a bit of a tumultuous season, uh, really didn't start that well, but did pick it up towards the end of the season and did win a lot of football games to their credit. Um, a number of notable injuries this season also hampered Liverpool's squad, no point in saying otherwise. And some of the signings that they, that they brought in in the summer just haven't quite done the job that they were brought in to do. So, Oren, just on a general reflection of Liverpool's season, I mean, look, they were, at their worst, 
um, you know, at points in the season, they were tenth, ninth in the league. They've managed to pull it all the way up to fifth. They were in with, with a with a, a shout for Champions League football if United had dropped any more points or Newcastle had dropped any more points. So, looking on it as a whole, do you think Liverpool will be happy that they've now finished in the Europa League places, um, or do you still think ultimately they will look upon this season as a massive disappointment? It's a massive disappointment, hundred percent. And if any Liverpool fan disagrees with that. They're stupid, to be 100% honest. This Liverpool should be competing for the league. We've seen Jurgen Klopp do it near enough since he came in. It, and Especially if the last three seasons and four seasons are anything to go by, this is a team that's consistently competing for the league. So for them to get fifth place is a major, major setback. Um, and to be honest, do they deserve fifth place? It's, it's up to, for debate as well because we know Liverpool can go on these long runs, but if a tactical change like switching Trent in the midfield, uh, well, in the more midfield role and stuff, and different tactics involving like Diogo Jota when he came back and whatever, if that's all it took really for Liverpool to be ticking this season, then I don't know, like, why didn't they do it all season? But as we as I've said before, it's not a long term fix. It worked for the moment. They're going to need to invest heavily this summer. We've seen their midfield; it's getting older, it's getting slower. Um. And I think that obviously with players like James Miller leaving, um, Naby Keita leaving, and even Bobby Firmino, like that core of um, Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool is really starting to move away because they are getting older, and that's just a fact of it. Um, so I think the next two years will be really, really um, crucial for Liverpool's future success because they're going to need to invest, but they're going to need to invest in youth but experience. So they're looking at the likes of a young fella Kone um, in midfield, the, the French midfielder. They're looking at Turam. Look, these are players that have been playing in Europe for the last few years, but they're still very, very young. Obviously, they missed out on Jude Bellingham. and I would say that they're kicking themselves for missing out on Jude Bellingham because he did want to go to the Champions League club. And I think anybody who thinks otherwise needs to give their head a wobble because there was Liverpool fans saying to me all season or saying on Twitter all season, oh, it doesn't matter, like, he, he's coming, he's, he's got mates at Liverpool and all this here. That, that, if you're one of the best footballers in the world, you want to be playing in the best competitions in the world and not just playing in it, you want to be competing in it. So, look, it's a write-off season for Liverpool. They've still got European football, a good standard of European football. The Europa League is good, to be honest. Um, a good standard of European football. Uh, a trophy that they really should be looking at winning next year, um, which is going to be huge for team morale and momentum again because we've said it so many times Liverpool's a momentum based team um, so look it's not that there's no hope for Liverpool because next season could be completely different but in my opinion they should be competing for the league next season and they should definitely be winning the Europa League next season 100% lad 100% look I would say that is their, their overall objective I'm sure that they will want to go out and, and really dominate that competition and um, they definitely like currently their squad will probably be Good enough to, to have a long run in the Europa League. Um, but yes, I agree with you completely, Warren. That there, there is serious investment that's going to be needed in the summer for Liverpool. Connor, then, just to just to finish up on Liverpool before we move on to, to the other sides then. Look, it's obvious that they're going to need to invest. Um, they are in a bit of a rebuild phase. Well, I say a bit of a rebuild phase. They, they are going to be in a rebuild phase now. So, look, again, similar sort of question as Man United. Are they going to look at next season as a realistic objective to, to challenge for the title? Or is this is this another process that Klopp's going to have to, to build a team to compete for, for years to come? Uh, I think they will expect to challenge for the league next year, to be honest, because under Klopp, 
you know, maybe not the first year, but since then they have been competing for the league. Uh, I've seen after the game, or oh, their last game of the season, he was like, he's got that energy back and he's ready to go. And I think they will recruit, as Zorn said, and I think they will recruit in midfield, maybe in centre-back. And they still have a good spine there. They have a few good players. They were unbeaten in their last 11 games. Now, they weren't that impressive, but they could still get results. We've known this before. Liverpool can go on these runs. Uh, so I, I do. I actually do expect them to challenge for the league next year. It's definitely going to depend on recruitment. Uh, I know they're looking at like Bellingham and all, and like that. That's another one that's like I see people on Twitter like, oh, we don't need Bellingham and all this here. But they were like, as Zorn was saying, they were like all season they were saying we're going to get Bellingham, we're going to get Bellingham. But it's obvious Bellingham's rejected them because they haven't gotten the Champions League, and they would have took them no no problem because they get at the price it ends up at. Like they're going to get like a McAllister in there who's going to cost 60, 70 million. Bellingham's going to be 80, 90 million. So there's no doubt they would have spent the money on him. But for Liverpool, it was just a write off of a season to get fifth from where they were at was good. But I did say in the previous podcast they were definitely the biggest uh, underachievers. They were in a Champions League final last year. They lost out in the league by a point. They won the, both the cup competitions they won for the quadruple. And from that to zero cups, not even get, I don't even think they got to like a quarter final of a cup. Then the came fifth in the league. And the, let's be honest, the, I know what the end, they did make that bit of a run at the end, but they never really were in the top four race. They were in it like for bits, but they needed United to slip up and United weren't going to slip up at home. So for Liverpool, it's a write-off. Next season, I expect them to compete. I think Klopp expects them to compete. I think if they don't compete next year, I think Klopp could be on his way. And like as Salah said, it was a huge disappointment this season. He's another player that expects Champions League football. Like if they like obviously recruit in the summer and don't get Champions League next year, I think Liverpool could be in serious trouble. Yeah, look, it's it, it is definitely a situation at Liverpool that we're just going to have to wait till after the summer to see how it unfolds. And we'll probably have to wait for those first few game weeks next year to see really how they've adapted and, and how these players look in, in a Liverpool shirt. Um, moving on from Liverpool then, lads, and on to a side that, Jesus, I don't think we, we've, we've spoken a bad word about this season. Um, Brighton under Roberto De Zerbe. Um, massive achievement, obviously, um, getting the European football for the first ever time in the club's history. Um, a really one of those fairy tale stories in football where this club were in the championship, um, but promoted uh, to the Premier League, Premier League mainstays for the last few years, and, and finally they've, they've breached that gap and they've made it in the European football. Or would you think that, or, or would you agree with me in saying that Deserby has been the biggest catalyst to that change? Yeah, definitely. Um, look, there there isn't much left to say about Brighton that we haven't already said this season, so I'm going to keep it short. Um, but whenever he came in, there was question marks. Coming from the Ukrainian League, people didn't really know who he was. I certainly didn't know who he was. Um, and just having done such a good job under Graham Potter, I was thinking, shit, this is going to be a real setback for Brighton. But he's taken them to new levels. The players have been performing for them. They're still going to... like. I think they will compete in the Europa League next year. I don't think they're just in that to play a few games. I think they're, they're going to compete next year. But it will depend on their recruitment this year. But as we've said all season, best recruitment probably in the world. Um, so, yeah, definitely a team to watch. And uh, they play the most exciting football in the league. We've seen that even in the United... or the, the Sorry, the Brighton and City game. Um, it was a fantastic game of football for the neutral. Um, so... Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how Brighton do it in the next few years. It's just a question mark over whether Deserby stays because he is quite known for jumping ship after one or two years. I think he'll definitely stay next year, but 
after that there, who knows? Yeah, and that's it. Look, if he keeps performing at this level, the big clubs do come calling and it is it is hard to turn down big offers from, from big clubs agreed or agreed. Connor, just touching again on what Oren said there about recruitment, you know, look it looks as though Brighton are gonna lose Caicedo and McAllister this summer. Obviously they are two of Brighton's best, best players, so it's going to be very, very difficult for them. Um, the Levi Colwell deal, it could still happen with Chelsea, but as of this current moment, it's not looking likely that he's going to be back at Brighton. It seems as though Chelsea want to take him back um, on a permanent basis. So, look, we, we, we've waxed lyrical about Brighton's recruitment um, all year and, and how well they get it done. But, look, missing players like that next season, is it going to make things a wee bit more difficult for Brighton or do you trust that their recruitment will, will get players in of a similar ilk? I think I think we'll have to trust them, to be honest, because last season they lost Potter, Basuma, Trossard, obviously in January, and then they lost Cucurella and they got in Casado, Matoma and Stupinian and they they got top six. So to lose those players, if you if I had said at the start of the year, if I'd seen this and seen what they lost, they lost their manager and they lost them players, I would have said, oh, they're going to be near the relegation zone or down that, you know, down the bottom half of the table. Mm-hmm. But then to get top six just shows how good of a manager they have and their recruitment is unbelievable. They're already getting players in like James Milner. Uh, you know, they're keeping players like Lalana. They want that experience. They're getting a good mix, experience and young players. You know, we've seen them players that have come in, like obviously Ferguson and players like that who are young and then they're getting that experience and good mix, good manager again next season. I think they're going to be really dangerous in the Europa League for any side. If they can just keep the Serbi next season the whole year, because I think he will be linked to big teams. If they give him the money to recruit, they're obviously going to get money for McAllister. They're going to get 60, 70 million. Gassetto's going to cost a fortune too. They're going to get money. They're just going to recruit it right. And again, like top six isn't, isn't impossible. Yeah, it's no, definitely not. I don't think it's impossible either, Connor. I think maybe if the recruitment's right and, and they spend the right amount of money on players, who knows? You know, they, they could go a step further. That they, they might challenge for a Champions League qualification. It's all up in the air. We'll we'll just have to wait and see. Um, moving on then, lads, to uh, the Conference League, um, Aston Villa, uh, back in European competition for the first time in well a long, long time, um. Coming to you first, Oren, uh, just on Aston Villa. Look, I know obviously you had said you, you didn't think Emery would be successful. And, and I know you were talking really about sort of domestic cup competitions and stuff when you were talking about that. You weren't necessarily talking about the Premier League. But look, you'd have to say he's come in and the job he has done is absolutely monumental at Villa Park. Yeah, 100%. Like this is a team that was 16th when he came in, level of points with the relegation uh, battling teams. And um, He's completely shifted it around. and Even in the last few weeks, he's really, really showed his grit and integrity and dedication to win um, because it has been tough for them the last few weeks with the likes of Spurs and Brentford still sniffing about them European that, that Europa Conference League spot. Um, but evidently it was Unai Emery's Aston Villa that's, that's secured it. And we've said all season, he's got their, the players that were already there, he's got them ticking. Some players that we had written off um, who look like they now might have a future at Aston Villa. Um, and it'll be really, really interesting to see how they get on the Conference League, as we know Unai Emery, he, he knows how to win a European competition. So it'll be interesting to see how Aston Villa get on. I think they should be competing for that, to be honest, on the basis that West Ham were in the final of it this year. Um, not to take that away from West Ham or, or their achievements this season, but, um, you know, I think Aston Villa will be of a higher quality of, of squad and calibre manager, especially than, than maybe some of the other teams that are in that uh, Europa Conference League. 
Um, so, yeah, credit to him, uh, credit to the players, a massive, massive achievement considering where they were under Stephen Gerrard. Agreed, Owen. Agreed, definitely. A huge achievement by Unai Emery. Connor, just really looking then at Villa and, and what, what they would hope to achieve next season. Look, they're obviously going to go into the market in, in the summer. They're going to strengthen. They have a fantastic manager in Emery. Um, do you think really, you know, with the added pressure of having European football, does it derail them a wee bit, do you think? Or are you looking at Villa as a possible team that could breach that Europa League and, and possibly like Brighton challenge for, for Champions League next season? I think uh, definitely they're going to challenge at least you know, they're going to come top eight again and maybe top six. I think they're going to invest as well. I see some of the players they're linked to and Sensio and players they got, like, top players. Uh, Emery does have that pull. He can get players in. Like, I've seen the stat. Like, he he won 15 of his 25 games in charge in the Premier League. And they would have been, if that if the season started when he started, they would have been top just off top four on goal difference. That's how good he done. Yeah. Uh, he came in a terrible situation under Gerrard where they just lost 4-0 and he's just changed the club. And... He will, obviously, Villa have the money. They have some good players. We've talked about their midfield all year. He improves players. You know, they're going to attract big players, especially, like, obviously, he's worked in Spain and places like that. He's won the most Europa Leagues ever. So, I would fully expect them. They have to be... I know I haven't seen all the teams that are in the Conference League, but I would say they're favourites, especially going off that point Orn made. West Ham's in the final. And this Villa side is far better than that West Ham side. So... I think they're going to keep all their players. Watkins is flying since he came in, seeing he got 15 goals, which is like the first time since for Villa, a striker's got over 15 goals since Benteke. So for me, Villa will recruit well. They have money. And, you know, Emery came there. He came there. We were like, I was surprised he went there because they were in a terrible situation, 16th in the table. He must have got promises that we will invest in the summer. He obviously seen a good, good enough side there, but. I think they will improve, and I think next season they will be dangerous. I think I like we've been saying that for a few weeks as well because he came in a terrible situation and he's made them unbelievable. So give him a summer, give him a transfer window, a bit of money. He could take the side to top six, top four. I, I think anyway. Yeah, look, it's definitely going to be um, Villa's definitely going to be a club that, that we're going to have to look at next season um, very much in depth because I agree, Connor. I, I do think they're going to be a serious, serious side going forward if they can manage to, to keep a hold of Emery, of course. Um, but moving on then, lads, uh, that's the European spots confirmed, um, done. Um, look, just quickly on some of the sides that did miss out um, and that I'm thinking particularly had, had a good season. Just want to get a quick comment from his lads. Looking at the likes of Brentford and Fulham here, you know, just narrowly missed out. But Warren, do, do you think those sides um, are going to be promising in the Premier League next year? Or do you think that's very much the ceiling that those clubs can get to? Um, I think if this season showed us anything, it's not to, to write off any team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Brentford are up sniffing around them places again. I would be wary about Fulham, to be honest. Um, but, you know, I, I think Chelsea and that's going to get stronger and all next year too. Um, however, you know, and I know it's it's just looking at it off the basis of it, but I think it is going to be quite a weak Premier League next year, looking at the teams that's in it with the, the teams that have got promoted and um, those who went down um, so I think there's going to be a bit more competitiveness for places um, however I think it might be a bit easier to predict the the bottom half of the table rather than the top half next season Yeah, look I think that's fair enough and Connor, then just same question to yourself looking at the likes of Spurs, Brentford, Fulham they just narrowly missed out but what are you expecting from those kinds of, kinds of sides uh, uh, next season? Well 
I have to give credit to Brentford because they had an unbelievable season. I've seen they had the best record against the top six. Uh, they beat like Liverpool, they beat United, they beat City twice. I know it was the last day of the season, but they did go to the Etihad and beat them as well. So I would expect Brentford to continue their rise. Obviously, they're going to be missing Tony. Um, and Buemo has been brilliant since, and Wiza as well. They've been brilliant, to be fair, in his absence. Uh, and they have a really, really good manager. And I can see them stay in top 10. It is going to be very difficult, though, to get like, you know, top six. We're speaking about all these teams like Aston Villa, Brighton, obviously Liverpool, Chelsea, teams they got. I, I would worry for Spurs. They haven't even got a manager in yet. Uh, I don't really. They're going to lose Key, and I think they're they're really going to struggle next year. I think their backline is dreadful. They're going to have to get a goalkeeper in. Spurs could be looking lower. You know, t- they probably will get top ten, but it could be a ninth or tenth finish for me. And then for Fulham, yeah, they've definitely overachieved this year. Brilliant, as we've said previous weeks. You know, in that uh, previous podcast we done, we give them so much. You know attention as well and like some of the Willian and Reid and Polina and all them players so for Fulham it will be difficult to get top 10 next season but you know they have a good manager in there Silva who I did, didn't did think was a great manager but he's proven me wrong you know he said at the start of the year they were one of the favourites to go down so for Fulham I think it will they would be the team I would be worried about the most next season I think they'll stay up but I think they might drop off because I think they've severely overachieved this year yeah, look, I think, again, very interesting and we will definitely, on the podcast, be keeping an eye on that then during our coverage of the Premier League. Uh, so, lads, then moving on to the relegated sides. Obviously, a very, very exciting last day of the season down at the bottom of the table. Uh, <coughs> uh, Mincy's Everton just narrowly missing out on relegation. <laughs> uh, I have to say, a wonderful goal from Dukure. Um, So, I think we'll just start with Everton, lads. Um. Dukure managing to keep them in the Premier League. Wonder strike. Um, the scenes at the end of the game. Uh, the fans rushing on to Goodison. They've stayed in the Premier League for another year. Or an overall analysis of this season for Everton and where are they going next year? Um, <laughs> look, it was it was brilliant from Dukure and I think he's really stepped up in the last few weeks for Everton um, when it's mattered. Um I think it will be different next season, to be honest. I think a full season under Sean Dyche will be different. Um, it depends who he gets in. Um, but for me, and uh, he's making the grade, um, I think Everton should be, at, at, the, at the absolute least, middle of the table. I don't think there should be anywhere near the relegation zone. And I know that's been it's been the case for the last three years or so that they've been towards the bottom, but I think they're really, really underachieving especially with some of the players they've got. And I know he wasn't great this season. He was always injured. But about two seasons ago, they were saying Dominic Calvert-Lewin was a £70 million striker. They had Richarlison, who they sold for 70 or £60 million. Like, if these players are so good, why are they bottling relegation every year? Um, I think that they need to reevaluate really, this summer. I think, But I do think Sean Dyche will have them back in the middle of the table. Um I think even just, as I said on the last point, that with the quality of competition that there might be in the Premier League the, next year, I think there's going to be worse teams in Everton. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think they will be near the relegation zone. But um, they can't just rely on um, the last day of the season anymore because Everton's a massive, massive club with huge history and they should really, really be further up the table than they are. Yeah, look, I, I actually do agree with you, to be honest, Oren. I, th- I do think they have a good squad. I think their squad was, you know, better than, you know, the sides that ultimately did go down. 
um, just in terms of performance levels and and even just desire to stay up. Um, I think Everton did show that on on especially on the final day of the season. There, it was a real war um, in that game. But Connor, in all seriousness, look, the players come out after the game very very open, very honest interviews. You know, saying that mentality hadn't been there all year, but that they did that, that the club didn't need to be where it was. It shouldn't be where it is. Um, you know, even. Amidst the celebrations of staying up, there was still the chance of sack the board. Um, look, it's it's obvious the club is going to be in for some massive change this summer, and there is going to be maybe changes right from the top all the way down to the bottom at Everton Football Club. So, look, realistically, as Oren says, you know they should be up around the middle of the table. What's your analysis on it then? Look, giving them a good summer transfer window, Deitch, you know, let's say he gets all the targets in that he wants to get. Where, where, where is the best that Everton can do then for next season? Uh, as you were saying there about the board and all that, you know, there needs to be changes in the, within the club. Um, I would worry for Everton next year. You know, there's all this financial stuff going on and there's, you know, talk maybe of deducted points. Uh, obviously, if they have a good summer and Dice is in there, like we've seen his experience in the Premier League, I think they would stay up again. But yeah. I think we've seen with the celebrations as well. You know, last year was a bit more like relief. This year is a bit more, you know, just annoyance. They shouldn't be in this position. They shouldn't be going down to the last day of the season needing a win. I think they got lucky. Enough. Like, I know the game was brutal. Let's be honest. It was horrible. Uh, even Sean Dice came out after the game and said a hideous game. Uh, they were lucky they played Bournemouth last game. Because Bournemouth were on the beach, uh, they won six or la- six or eight wins were at home, so the crowd is huge for them. Uh, it's crazy to think that Brighton win basically kept them up. That five one kept yeah. them up. Yeah. So for Everton, it's been an absolutely symbolic season. You, you could say, as you said, the players at the end they were probably as surprised as anyone to stay up because their mentality was in the bin. Um, Connor Cody was coming out after and people like Pickford and all that were just like just happy to stay up. Uh, obviously, if they have a good season with the standard coming up they probably will stay up again, but for Everton, that's just not good enough. This is their 70th, 70th straight season in the top flight. They should be doing better. Uh, they obviously have the history of the, the new stadium coming. I, I can see Everton being in a, a situation like this again next season, to be honest. I know Dyche is he's going to get a summer and he's going to get players in, but I, I do worry for Everton. And if they don't make changes to the board, I think relegation could be another possibility next year. Well, look, it's it, it is definitely one of those. Ever, look, Everton's a very famous club, very big club, and I agree with both of these lads. You know, I I think part of me that like the optimistic side of me is looking at it going, look, I think Everton's going to be all right. But then, like the realistic side of me is saying, well, you know, that is two years in a row now that they've they've really taken it down to to the end of the season to to confirm their Premier League status. So, look, it is it's I do think it's going to be a big summer of change for Everton, um, right the way from the board to players. Um, I think it is going to be a, a big big summer for Everton, but I am just hopeful that they will get it right, and I am hopeful that next season they will be in and around the middle of the table and, and well away from that relegation zone, to be honest. But we will keep our eyes on it. Um, so the three sides that were relegated, lads, Southampton, Leicester, Leeds. Um, tumultuous seasons for those three clubs, to say the least. Um, I think we'll start with Leeds, lads. Oren, look, obviously on this podcast, we have been quite critical of Leeds um, at, at, at big periods during this season. And ultimately now, they have been relegated to the Championship. 
they have a lot of players on their roster um, currently, Oren, that you would still say would have maybe have some sort of a future in the Premier League. So who do you expect, really? Who, who are the big guys that you think are going to leave Leeds then in the summer? And where does that leave them then next season? Um, to, well, to be honest, Connor, I think Leeds have a, a championship quality team. Um, I, there Obviously, there is a few exceptions. Um, but I did see that... Um, Brandon Aronson and Jack Harrison both had release clauses implemented into a contract if they were to get relegated, mm-hmm. and both of them will move on. Um, Jack Harrison will probably go back to the Premier League. I could see him end up at like a, a Leicester or something. Um, and then Brandon Aronson, I know he wasn't unbelievable this season, but I can see him ending up in Europe at least anyway. Um, I think really Nanto um, should be leaving. I've seen this morning Arsenal and Man City are being linked with him for a twenty million pound move, and the only other one I would probably take out of that lead squad, or I would probably say would leave that lead squad that isn't really championship quality, um, is the right back Christensen. I know you can look at the likes of Somerville and um, Sinistera, um, who who will probably get moves, but whether that's to the Premier League or not, who knows? Um, look, Leeds Leeds are in a bad position. Um, I, Leeds are a huge club. From a personal standpoint, being a United fan, I was glad to see them go down. I'm not going to say I, I wasn't like, but uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I think they might even struggle in the championship next season. I don't think it's going to be a straight bounce back for Leeds. Like we've we've seen how long it, it took them to get back to the Premier League after they were relegated from the first division. Um, so I don't think it'll be as straightforward for Leeds fans as they might think it is. Yeah, look, I, I, I do agree with you, and I think they're going to struggle next season as well. I think they're going to lose a lot of that core of that squad, and really what they need to do is invest for being in the championship rather than looking at a, at a bounce back, uh, bounce straight back up. Connor, I think the thing you would say with the three sides that have been relegated is really bad boards, really bad miscommunication between boards and management and, and even playing staff or players and, and coaching staff. Um. Leeds, no exception to this rule. They've had a lot of trouble off the pitch this season, um, you know, just as much as they have had on the pitch. So, really, uh, looking at a club like Leeds, then, Connor, would you say something similar to Everton that the things really need to change at that football club? Yeah, definitely. I see the Leeds fans were singing the same there, sack the board. Um, you know, recruitment this year was terrible. This, they lost Rafinha and they lost Phillips, and they spent pretty poorly in the summer. Um, just, just a terrible, terrible season. Defensively, they just didn't invest. And one of the worst, defense, the worst defense in the league, conceding goals. I think they conceded over. I think they conceded like seventy-five goals. And even that goal at the end by Lucas Moore that made him look like Messi. Like you know, it was just disgusting. He just walked through their whole team. Uh, they just gave up on the last day. I think they basically knew they were down. Uh, they nine points away from home all season. You know, Allardyce has just came out and said like basically. You know, they tried, but the, the squad just isn't good enough. Uh, I think in the championship next year, it, it's tough down there. And, like, I've seen the championship. Like, it's one of the strongest-looking championships I've seen in years. And we already yeah. know how hard it is anyway. So, yeah. you know, they're going to have to change the board. They're going to have to invest money. They're going to lose players, as Oren has said. And I think Leeds will struggle next year. And I, I could see them, you know, being in the championship for a, for a few years. Yeah, look, I, I do agree with you, lads. I, I think Leeds are really, really going to struggle. I, I think Leeds fans who think that they're going to bounce straight back up to the Premier League, I think are in for 
really a, a big shock because I don't think the squad's good enough to come straight back up either. Um, well, moving on then, lads, to Leicester. Obviously, this has to be one of the strangest relegations that we've seen from the Premier League. It was only two years ago that they were winning an FA Cup. And even then, it was only seven years ago that they won the Premier League. So, really, really strange relegation. And, and you would have to say, in terms of players that are in that squad has to be one of the strongest squads to ever be relegated from the Premier League. So coming to you first, Oren, look, one thing we've said about Leicester all season is a number of their top performers just haven't turned up this season. And I asked Connor the question a couple of weeks ago, did, did he think any of them still had a Premier League future? I'm going to ask you the same thing, Oren. When you look at that squad, is, is anybody really going to take a punt on the likes of, say, Ndidi? Um, you know, the... The, the likes of Johnny Evans, a Jamie Vardy, or, or are these guys very much resigned to championship football now? No, it, it, I personally, I would say the three names you've just mentioned should be playing in the Premier League next year. Um, look, it wouldn't surprise me if Johnny Evans stayed at Leicester because he is their club captain. Um, but I think Johnny Evans is a really good defender, and I think they really, really missed him all season due to his injury. Um, so I would be surprised if a club didn't pick up Johnny Evans because he does have that effect like Craig Dawson did when he went to Wolves um, or even when he went to West Ham a couple of years ago. Um, so I would be surprised if somebody doesn't pick him up because he'd be cheap or maybe even free. Um, Jamie Vardy would be cheaper, even free and as a backup option. Like we've seen in the last few weeks, Vardy started to look at a bit of himself but still a shadow of his best performances, don't get me wrong. Um, he has missed a step, but it wouldn't surprise me if... Um, even a big club went for Jamie Vardy as a, as a backup option, but I think Everton should really be looking at the likes of Jamie Vardy as a backup option because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even even though he is a bit older, he's got that experience in the Premier League, and for the most part, he is available. Um, I think Ikenacho gets a move as well, um, maybe to the likes of Crystal Palace or whatever. Um, and who was the other one you mentioned? Sorry, Indeedy, Indeedy, Indeedy. Yes. To be honest, I've said it before. I think the likes of Man United or Liverpool or somebody should be signing Ndidi because we've seen how talented he is. I know maybe the past two years, but I would say obviously the last year he hasn't been great. Um, he hasn't been to the standards that we've been expecting because this is a fellow who three or four years ago people were saying £80 million, that's how much he would go for or whatever. Um, but I think at the price that you could get him at, which is going to be fairly low considering the relegation, um, I think it would be stupid not to, especially for one of the big clubs who isn't going to expect them to be a starter, but maybe an understudy to their uh, starting centre defensive mid. Um, look, a bad season for Leicester coming off the back of finishing eighth last season and obviously all the success that you already mentioned. And it is quite a shame to see, considering like we've been talking about the, the board and the owners and stuff, considering what happened at Leicester and stuff, it, it is quite a shame to see the the how disjointed the fans are with the board now, um, considering they were so close. Um, at, at a point in time um, but yeah Leicester it'll be a rebuild for them because they are going to lose the majority of their team I would say um, and I think they they like Leeds it mightn't be a straight back bounce up um, they need to invest for the championship like you say um, yeah it'll be difficult for them and it, it, it is sad to see to be honest yeah, agreed, lad. It is very sad to see Leicester go. Uh, you'd really grown accustomed to, to seeing Leicester in the Premier League and they had built some wonderful sides that, that did some wonderful things in their time in the Premier League. Connor, look, Owen's touched on it, obviously. Very, very difficult few seasons for Leicester. Um, obviously, their their owner um, died, unfortunately. Um, and there has been a lot of 
dissent within the fan base towards um, the current ownership. Um, you know, the squad's going to be stripped bare now. Um, a lot of these players are going to be moving on. Um, so look, again, similar sort of question to Leeds. Are Leicester able to bounce straight back up next season or is this going to be a similar situation to Leeds where they maybe need to spend a couple of years in the championship and really rebuild from scratch? Yeah, I think they're going to lose even more players than uh, Leeds, as we said all year. This is a really strong squad. This is a team that uh, in their previous five seasons had finished in the top 10 in the Premier League, uh, nearly got Champions League a few of those years and won an FA Cup. You know, players like Madison, Barnes, Ian Asso, I think will go. Tillemans is gone. They're going to really, really struggle. I think Johnny Evans might stay. He is a bit older now. I know a team might take a, a punt on him, but he's just a bit injury prone. But uh, yeah, seven years after winning the, the Premier League to be in this position is is crazy. Uh, they're going to have to invest, obviously, as well. Uh, it's, it's just going to be really difficult for them. And, and the championship, as I keep saying, is like it is one of the most difficult leagues to get out of. It's one of them ones where like, if they could get out first time, maybe, because I think they would, if they can't get out first time, I think they could be there for a while. Uh, and it's their own fault, really, that like they got your boy Smith in and he got nine points from eight games, which just isn't good enough. You know, the points total this year wasn't that high to stay up. Uh, you know, what what was it, 36 or something Everton stayed up with? So there was a yeah. good chance of staying up. Uh, for Leicester, I, I do think next year, I, I don't see them bouncing back. I think actually it would give Leeds more of a chance because I think unless like Vardy stays... Evans stays and stays fit. You know, it's it's going to be one of them ones, Danny Ward and Nets. It's just they're going to really, really, really struggle next year. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. I do agree with you. And look, lads, we, we a couple of weeks ago, we did cover Southampton whenever their relegation was confirmed. So I'll just get a quick comment from you. Look, obviously, Oren, really not the season that I'm sure Southampton expected to have. And really what you would say is Southampton's forward. Uh, the the mismanagement really, especially even we look at the appointment of Nathan Jones. There's eight losses on the bounce that you looked at, and you sort of think, you know, maybe if there had been a better manager in there, they maybe might have just stayed up. But really, Oren, just ju- just a quick comment from you, Southampton, similar situation to Leeds and Leicester. Yeah, it has to be. Um, it's it's as as Connor literally just said, the championship is one of the def- most difficult leagues in the world. It is so competitive, like. Even if you look at it this year, Sunderland getting to the playoffs, nobody would have expected that at the start of the season. This was a team that many were expecting to fight relegation or get middle of the table, um, but certainly not getting to the, to the playoffs. And even the likes of Luton and Coventry, if, if you would have said at the start of the season that Coventry said he was going to be in the playoff final, the odds in that would have been ridiculous. Take me to the bookies. But... No, it's going to be different. It's going to be difficult for Southampton because again, they're going to lose a lot of players. They invested heavily in January, and they're going to lose a lot of players. And I don't know much about this new manager that's coming in, to be honest. Um, so I can't say much about him. But um, yeah, championships very, very difficult. And as Connor literally just said, unless these teams bounce back up straight away, they could be in the championship for a long, long while. Yeah, uh, uh, agreed, lad, agreed. And Connor, really, look, the thing you would say about Southampton is, you know, that their only real saving grace is that they did sign young players and there is that ability for those young players then to go to the championship and really grow. So, you know, maybe not next year, but in the following seasons, if the development and the growth is right and they get the right manager in, you, you would say that Southampton are maybe in a better place than Leeds and Leicester in terms of that sort of, you know, the growth in the squad. Yeah, I was going to say that. I actually think they would have the best chance of bouncing back just through the youth. 
Uh, and I think they have a better chance of holding on to a lot of their players because obviously Ward Price will probably go, but I think boys like um, like Walcott or even like them that Armstrong, two Armstrongs, I think they will keep them kind of players because I don't think a lot of Premier League teams would be looking them. Um, obviously, Southampton had a horrible year. I've seen that like twenty five losses. You know, they didn't win in their last thirteen games, which was like their worst record since like nineteen eighties. Um, just a horrible, horrible year. As you said, that like Nathan Jones, what a terrible appointment. They got this new guy in, uh, Salles. He done okay for a few weeks, but as I said, they didn't win any of their last 13. Uh, so they're obviously going to have no confidence, but they have young players. They're obviously going to lose. Your boy Lavia and boys like that, that are really top players, but the, they've invested a few players. They've got them, they got that uh, striker in who done well in the last game of the season. Uh, I, I think he might stay. I think a few of them guys might stay. So... I think Southampton out of the three have the best chance of bouncing back, which is crazy to think because they came last. But I do think I think they'll hold on to a lot of their the core of their team. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And again, Southampton they're going to be a club next season that I think people just need to keep their eye on, especially with all that young talent. You know that there is the potential there to to possibly bounce straight back up and and to build a good squad for for the Premier League in years to come. Well, lads. That'll do it for the Premier League coverage. That's 2022-2023 wrapped up in the Premier League. Man City champions, European spots confirmed, relegations confirmed. We have Luton, Sheffield United and Burnley going to be joining us next season. So we're looking forward to seeing what they can produce next year. But to, to cap this episode off, lads, it's our last ever, or well, for this season, our last picks of the week. So Connor, in the game week 38, who was your player of the week? Uh, so I'm going to give it to Harry Kane uh, I know Leeds are brutal but he did score two goals and got an assist he was brilliant throughout the game uh, brilliant season 30 goals this year so he deserves he deserves it um, I've seen he was the only player he's got over 30 goals in two seasons and neither of them years he's won the golden boot so he deserves a bit of love So and he played brilliantly so I'm going to give it to Harry Kane yeah, definitely, lad, definitely, Kane. One of those special, special players, and hopefully he will be playing in the red of Manchester next year. <laughs> My overall fantasy pick for the season, lads, uh, the most fantasy points ever scored by a player in a fantasy season. Can you guess who it is? Early. Yeah, Holland. it has to be Erling Haaland. The most points by a single player ever recorded in fantasy. Obviously, phenomenal season for him. Uh, ridiculous amount of goals scored, uh, really. Connor, I, I, the question I just want to ask you on, on Haaland, and I just want to float this idea to, to get your opinion on it. Look, it did take him a while to settle in, and he was still scoring goals. City have obviously found the way to play with him now. Yeah. Were, what, what, how many goals do you reckon Haaland's going to get now, moving forward? It's a great question because it creates so much for him. I think 40 goals is a realistic possibility if he stays fit and he plays every game because he didn't even play every game this season. So 40 goals. Like you look at Harry Kane there, like if Harry Kane was on that side, I think he would score 35 plus goals as well. Like he scored 30 goals in a brutal Tottenham team. Mm-hmm. So for me, Holland has to be looking at 40. Like he'll try and beat that record. He has that edge in him as well. And City just keep getting better and better. So, you know, I think next year people might say, oh, teams will be, um, you know, more suited to him and they'll try and play him a certain way. But like we've seen it even in big games, he scores a lot of goals. And some of the teams that are coming up, like Burnley and Luton and Sheffield United, like good luck to them because he will he will have a field day. Let's be honest. 
Yeah, agreed, agreed. And look, Connor, I seen a stat the other day. I think it was um, Henri had forty four goal involvements in his greatest ever uh, Premier League season, and uh, Haaland finished up this season with forty four goal involvements um, in the Premier League. Really, it is just freakish numbers, isn't it? Oh, it's it is crazy. Um, even as I said, I alluded to. Uh, previous podcast like he had like 25 26 big misses as well you know in that city team he does get a lot of chances but you have to give it to him as well because he's always seems to be in the right position at the right time and may, may not score them all but he's there and he, he what a player and as you said he deservedly he was young player of the year player of the year now you're fantasy player of the year so what what a player what a season and and you know the best of it is i think he can get even better yeah he's so young like he's gonna get better Agreed. Agreed. I think when when Pep finally you know gets him to be the the link player that he wants him to be, uh, it, it's going to be ridiculous to see how good he's he's going to become. And Oren, you're finishing us off for the season. What is your opinion? <laughs> my last opinion of the week. Uh, my, my my last opinion of the season is going to be about Spurs yet again. Um, I was actually speaking to your brother this morning. Uh, Connor, he was texting me this morning, asking me about Ange Postacoglu, um, and what I thought about the prospect of him going to Tottenham Hotspur, um, and that's what my opinion is going to be. My opinion is that if Spurs appoint Ange Postacoglu, they could get top four next season. Mm, very interesting one. Funny, he was talking to me about it as well. Look, I think the one thing we can say about Postacoglu, lads, is that obviously he plays excellent football. Um, but it will be interesting if he does go to Spurs. Obviously, there is that jump between Scottish and English football. There, mm-hmm. there is a, a massive gap between the two. Obviously, he has managed the best team in Scotland, has had the best financial resources of a team in Scotland. Um, and he's going to go, well, could possibly be going to Spurs where, you know, they notoriously don't spend massive mm-hmm. amounts of money. Uh, but with the current crop of players that they have there, I think it, it, it's definitely an interesting prospect. Connor, I just, just I, want, want to get your opinion on this too. Yeah, I just don't see it, to be honest, lads. I just can't see Spurs getting top four next year, no matter who they bring in, because they're not going to invest. And I know he's done well at Celtic, and he is a good manager, but he's going to be under severe pressure. And I just don't see top four, especially you're going to lose Kane. Um, Son's going to really have to step up. Richarlison's going to have to start playing football. Uh, you know, their back line's brutal. You know, who's he going to get in? Is he going to bring... You know, you buy Vickers from Celtic. I, I bring just bring him back. Bring him back. Spurs. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't see them. I think obviously the teams around them are improving as well. Like even Brighton and Villa. Uh, I think Spurs would be very lucky to even get top six. Even well, with sorry, Ange. I'm going. I'm going to change that opinion to be honest. Um, because top four is quite a stretch. What What I meant yeah. to say was was. Like I was talking to Ashley about this morning, he was asking about Lewis Enrique in comparison to Ange Postecoglou, and I think there's more chance of getting European football with Ange than they do with Lewis Enrique. Mm, it's definitely, it's definitely a tough one. I mean, Enrique hasn't managed in club football since I think it's like 2017 or, or uh, maybe it is 2017. He hasn't managed in club football, so I said it would definitely be difficult for him to step back into club football. But the only thing is, I think in terms of actual manager, I think yeah. Enrique is levels above. What he's done as well in football. I agree. I agree. But I mean, for for Tottenham Hotspur, who who really need a fella to go in and kind of steady the ship again, because it looks like it's turmoil over at Tottenham Hotspur. And the the football that Ange plays is very much similar to the style of of Tottenham. Like it it is quite press heavy and then hitting the counter attack and with their wing backs and full backs heavily involved. So I think just from 
not not on. I'm not saying Ange is a better manager or has had a better career than Luis Enrique, but I think to fit Spurs' style and fit their mould, and he doesn't really take shit on. So I think for for Spurs, I think Ange would be a better fit. Mm-hmm. See that that Spurs could be a problem a too. In the M for years and years since Poch was second, it hasn't worked for them. So why not take a punt on Ange? I know you're saying he doesn't take shit, but look at Conte. He doesn't take shit. He came out against the players and he left. So that, that's what worry me too. Lad. He's hothead. I know, but Ange, I could see them turning on him so quickly. They like he's not a good man, man, man manager. Like that's what I'm like kind of hearing off, you know, Owen and stuff like that. So that would worry me as well. It could be a quick sacking. Like it could be really, really swift. It could be like he's not doing well for us. He's not, you know, and I've seen him in interviews as well. He, he is hot. He can be, you know, he's not the nicest guy either like he can just turn on people too i've seen it with him and celtic people asking questions and he like looks at them as if they're stupid i've seen that before too so mm-hmm. i would worry for him if he goes into and he's like about fifth choice let's be honest they've got rejected by so many managers so far no i could be proven wrong he hasn't got a track record in the premier league so that's the thing as well uh would the, i thought they would have went for like a rogers who's a bit more experienced who you know i know he did rogers did get them or Leicester into relegation trouble, but he wasn't backed and he got them fifth place two years in a row and won them an FA Cup. So I thought they would have went with more experience, but we'll just have to see with Ange. Yeah, it is. It, 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 that that manager saga for Spurs is going to be very interesting over the summer and it is going to be interesting to see who they end up with. I think when you see who they end up with, you can sort of judge what kind of season Spurs are going to have. But look, I, I am in agreement with you, Oren. I do think Ange might be a better fit for Spurs than Enrique. Now, by all means, I agree with you. I'm not saying that um, Ange is a better manager than Enrique, but I think maybe just for the fit and for the style of play that Spurs are aiming, I think maybe Ange is, is the better fit. But I, at the same time, I do agree with you, Connor. I could also see the, the Spurs players just down in tools um, because they don't really like to be criticised, as we've already seen at numerous points this season. Um, but look, guys, that's going to do it. Uh, that is the final Premier League episode of 2022-2023 from the Bottom Bins podcast. As always, you can find us on the Parlay Sports app, that's P-R-L-Y Sports, on the Apple App Store. Our Twitter, Instagram and TikTok handle is at Bottom Bins Pod, if you want to jump over and give us a follow on those platforms. There's plenty of upcoming content. And as for the summer, guys, we're going to continue. Uh, we're going to have more transfer for episodes over the summer where we'll, we'll do one a week kind of wrapping up the biggest deals and looking at who suits what clubs potential transfers potential management options as well for clubs we're also going to be doing a new series over the summer where we take clubs individually and we try and fix them so to speak um, as well as keeping up with our top 15 or top 12 lists whatever it might be that week so as always thank you very much for listening to the Bottom Bins podcast thank you very much for all your support this season yeah. we thoroughly enjoyed making this Premier League content for you and as always keep a bottom bins keep a bottom bins keep a bottom bins